Amen. Well, if you'll take your Bibles and turn with us to the book of 2 Kings, chapter number 5. And well, I tell you, I'm not just being kind when I make this statement, I, but I really enjoyed the singing tonight. I mean, just every song was a blessing. And enjoy the presence of God. Amen. I was sitting there thinking about uh, while I was receiving the offering that I don't think I've ever been to this church that what I've not felt God's presence. And I mean that. It just seemed like the Lord's just always uh, just met in a special way. And I appreciate your pastor and his wife and appreciate uh, the church and appreciate the goodness of God. And uh, I look forward to the camp meeting, but I'll be honest with you, I look forward to coming to the church. Amen. And I uh, appreciate the, it just seems like I like camp meetings. We have a jubilee at our church, and I always enjoy that. But revival times just seem more personal. Amen. And I appreciate the other time that we do have together. Amen. I want to look at 2 Kings chapter number 5. Uh, 2 Kings chapter number 5. Brother, if you could give me a little extra volume. I've just been having some uh, uh, throat problems the last few weeks. I don't know what it is. And I thought about gargling some gasoline, see if that'd help it. I've tried about everything I know to try. If uh, uh, somebody asked me, so what did you get? You got COVID? I said, I don't know what. I, I don't got COVID. Don't worry about that. And, uh, but uh, I just had some throat issues for the last two or three weeks. I think it's all this hot weather, amen? I don't know about you, going from the hot weather to the air conditioning and back out and different climates we've been in traveling, that don't help none. I'd just be glad for fall to get here, I'll be honest with you, and uh, I'm looking forward to that as well. But Second Kings chapter 5 and verse number 1, if you're able to stand with us, we'll read a passage of Scripture, just a few verses here and have prayer. And then you can be seated. Amen. Second Kings chapter 5 and verse 1. The Bible said, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid, that is of the land of Israel. Father, I pray tonight that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I ask you, Lord, if you would, help us tonight, give us liberty. Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit would do the work that only you can do tonight. I ask you, Lord, to be glorified. May we not say anything that would hinder or grieve the Holy Spirit in any way. Father, I pray you'd be pleased with our worship now. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. You'll notice with me in verse number 1, uh, the first two words, verse number 1 opens up and says, Now Naaman. And when we think about verse number 1, really verse number 1 uh, tells us a lot about this man by the name of Naaman. In fact, verse number 1 is really uh, dedicated to Naaman. Uh, it's, it's all about him, and his name simply means to be pleasant. That's what Naaman's name means. And verse 1 uh, tells us about Naaman. It talks about his position. Notice the Bible says here that he was captain of the host of the king of Syria. And then it talks about his praise. The Bible said that he was a great man with his master and honorable. And so it's singing the praises of Naaman in verse number 1. It gives us this progress. The Bible says in verse 1, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. 
He's brought great progress into the land of Syria. He's won a great battle. He's won a great victory. And he's brought much to this, uh, uh, the Syrian uh, uh, society and won uh, this battle through the, by the Assyrian army. And so the king is very pleased uh, uh, with the progress that this captain has made. It talks about his performance. Notice the Bible says that he was also a mighty man in valor. I mean, here's a man that not only could lead men into battle, but he was a man that had proven himself, a man that had won victories, a man that had won the battle. He had a great testimony of being a great man of valor. And so we see his uh, performance. And then we see his problem. Notice the Bible says here that he was a leper. Amen. And so this, this verse starts out with Naaman, and he gives all these accolades about him. It talks about uh, what he has done and all that he has accomplished. But uh, tragically and sadly, it is with the, uh, the fact that he is a leopard. You know, it doesn't matter what a man does in life. It doesn't matter what he accomplishes in life. Uh, at the end of the day, we all have problems. Isn't that right? It doesn't matter how high up the ladder we get or how far up, uh, uh, listen, how much success we may gain or how many people may sing our praises. Uh, uh, we all have our problems in life. And Naaman was not without his problems. So I want you to see that in verse number one, that it's all about Naaman and it's about the Bible says here he was a great man but when we go to verse number two notice this we go from a great man to a little maid and I want to say tonight I'm more interested in the little maid than I am the great man and I think tonight God is no doubt was concerned about Naaman and, and we could see that if we was to read on and you know the end of the story that how that he's healed of his leprosy but when I think about this little maid in this text here tonight uh, uh, there's a lot of things about her that, that interest me even more so than, than Naaman. I, I was reading this one day preacher in fact it was just last week I was reading this text and I thought to myself I thought well uh, there's not a whole lot in here about this little maid but I think there is uh, uh, the more that we think about it the more we meditate on it and when we look at this little maid uh, there's a lot of things that's interesting about her you say well preacher what would that be well I think her size is interesting the Bible says here that uh, she was a little maid so I just looked that up I, I looked it up on the internet and you know you can believe everything you read on the internet y'all know that uh, but I just looked it up on the internet I was in a motel and I didn't have no commentaries or anything like that. And so I just typed in. I said, uh, how old is a little maid? And it got sick. I put second Kings 5. And it came up and said around 12 years of age. It's interesting when you put that into this context. Her size. She is a 12-year-old girl somewhere around that age. She may be a little bit younger. She could be a year or so older, but for the sake of argument tonight, we'll just uh, put her at 12 years of age. And, and so I think her size is, is interesting. And then I think her slavery is interesting. The Bible says in verse number 2 that the Syrians had gone out by company and brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. Her slavery is interesting. Here is a 12-year-old girl that has been taken away from her homeland. She's been taken away from her family. She's been taken away from her friends. And, and she's been brought to, uh, to Syria now. And now she is, uh, no doubt, as a 12-year-old girl, she's placed in Naaman's home. 
with his wife. Her slavery is interesting. Her service is interesting. Notice the Bible says that she waited on Naaman's wife. Now, can you imagine this tonight? A preacher, here's a 12-year-old girl that's been taken captive, and now she is not only taken captive, but now she has to wait on the wife of the man that's responsible for her bondage. 12 years old. Waiting on the man's wife who is responsible for bringing this loss, this tragedy, upsetting her world and changing her future. I, I think of the fact that she served this mistress or this, as the Bible says in verse number 3, Naaman's wife, the fact that she served her, I think says a lot about her character. And then I think her sermon in verse number 3 is interesting. Look what she said. She said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Her sermon is interesting. He said, well, what's so interesting about that preacher? Well, do you realize this little maid is only in three verses of the Bible? And in these three verses here, she only says one thing. But the one thing that she says, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not a long sermon. It's not saying, you say, well, women can't preach. I know that. It's just for alliteration's sake. Amen? I mean, but what she says, uh, it's not, you know, uh, so big. it's not nothing big. It's not nothing great. Uh, uh, but it made it on the pages of God's Word. Uh, and it went to the king's uh, uh, house. And it went uh, to another king's house. If you think about it, uh, uh, this little maid here, uh, uh, she served under the rain of three kings, amen. Uh, she served under the reign of the king of Israel. Uh, she served under the reign of king, uh, the king of Syria. But she served under the reign of another king uh, from another world, uh, from another place, amen. Uh, she served under the eternal king, amen. Uh, and so what she said, her sermon, just one statement changes a man's life. I think that her sermon is is very interesting. I think her secrets are interesting. You say, what kind of secrets? Well, I mean, there's not much said about her. I would like to know what her name is, wouldn't you? I'd like to know who her parents are. I would like to know a little bit more. I would like to know what happens to her as she grew older. I would like to know what happens to this uh, this little maid uh, uh, preacher when uh, uh, Naaman gets back. Uh, uh, did she get rewarded? Did she receive the reward? He tried to re reward Elisha, but Elisha would not receive that reward. I wonder if she would have been like Elisha and rejected that reward. I wonder if she received a reward. You say, Brother Gravely, what he said? I'm saying there's a lot of secrets about her. That's even interesting. But above everything that I just told you, I'll tell you what's most interesting about this little maid in this text. It's her spirituality. It's the fact that here she is in this text tonight in a time when she ought to be angry, in a time when she should be afraid, in a time when she should feel like she is all alone. In a time when all these other things should be taking place in her life, what we see in verse number 3 is that she has not lost her spirituality. Amen. 
I mean, here's a little girl that's 12 years old that she's under the pressure and she's facing things and she's handling things. Let's be honest. I, I don't even know if a lot of adults could handle what she's going through right now and what she's facing right now. You see, tonight, your spirituality is what's really going to determine whether or not you make it through the hard times and the difficulties of life uh, that you face. Uh, I mean, some people go through one trial uh, and it knocks them out of the saddle. They get out of church uh, or they get bitter the rest of their life. Uh, on the other hand, you see another person uh, go through the same thing or sometimes go through worse than what they went through, but somehow they keep their joy. They keep on serving God. You say, what's the difference in them too? Well, if they're both saved, the only difference that would be different, uh, my friend, would be their levels of spirituality. And this young lady, in a time when she ought to be bitter, backslid, angry, afraid. She's not at all. She's still spiritual. What I find about this young lady is that she was without her homeland. She was without her family. She was without her friends. But she wasn't without her God. I mean, here's a lady that when you're a little girl, her parents are not found in the tanks. Uh, her place is foreign. Uh, uh, listen, her plans are forgotten. All of her future plans that she had in Israel, they've now been destroyed. They've been taken away. Uh, her problems are fearful, but her position is firm. Amen. Uh, uh, she's still standing in verse number 3 in Syria like she would be standing uh, if she was in Israel. Amen. I'm glad tonight's circumstances don't have to change our position. Amen. I'm glad this world cannot change our position. I'm glad captivity cannot change our position. Her position is firm. Her passion is faith. She still's got something to say about God. She still got something to say for God. She don't throw her hands up and quit, brother. Just because she's going through hard times, she still got a witness. She still got a word. She still got a testimony. And I would say tonight, if she can, then we can too. Amen. And I notice her proclamation is found. What she says, says in this text in verse 3 does not stay inside the walls of this house with her mistress. But a letter has been written of what she has said and it's been sent to the king. Amen. And little does she know, but another letter has been written. Amen. And it's been sent from the king. And here we are all these years later. Amen. Here we are in 2023. And what she witnessed in one verse, in one statement that she said to one person, guess what? It's made it down through the annals of time. She gives her witness and walks off the pages of the scriptures, never to be mentioned again. But tonight we're being encouraged uh, we're being inspired uh, we're being instructed uh, by just one witness of this little 12 year old girl I want to preach just a few minutes tonight on this subject on a spirit filled witness tonight a spirit filled witness I look around this church preacher and I see all the, the plaques of the missionaries and I've been here for uh, the camp meeting, and I know that you have probably as many missionaries show up as you do evangelists and pastors. And I know tonight I'm in a church that loves missions, that loves uh, uh, missionaries, that, that, that loves, I believe I'm in a church tonight that believes in getting the gospel outside to this lost community. But tonight it's not just about being a witness. 
It's about being a spirit-filled witness. A spirit-filled witness. It's not just about telling people truth. I think we ought to tell truth wherever we go. We ought to pass out tracts to whomever uh, we come in contact with. We ought to shine our lights and we ought to tell people. Uh, but it's not just about giving out truth, uh, but it's that timely truth. Uh, it's a word fitly spoken. That's what we have in this text. Uh, it's the ability to say uh, the right thing at the right time. And let's face it, I don't have that in me and you don't have that in you I don't know what to say to people at the right time only the Holy Ghost knows that amen I can give the word of God and that's what I'm supposed to do but God knows how to lay the right things on our heart to the right person amen but in order for us to have that in our life we have to be filled with the Spirit and I know in Bible days that people were not indwelled with the Holy Spirit that the Spirit of God came upon people like, like David and, and even like Samson. But I think you would agree with me tonight uh, that this witness here is spirit-filled uh, because the Spirit of God wrote this book, amen, and it's in this book tonight, amen. And what I see about this woman, this little girl, this little 12-year-old girl in difficult times, uh, in difficult days, uh, uh, she had a witness that revealed a whole lot to this mistress. Say, so what do you mean, preacher? Let me give you a few thoughts tonight that a spirit-filled witness reveals. Number one, it revealed the maker God. Because the first two words out of her mouth is would God. Here she is down in Syria. Naaman is, is a powerful uh, captain, a great military advisor. He's a man of valor, but he is a leper. He's got this death sentence hanging over him. He's got this problem, this sin problem that, that is hanging over him. And this little girl, I mean, she's not bitter. She's not backslid. She begins to speak to her mistress. And the first thing that she does is she points her to God. Amen. She doesn't point her to herself. She doesn't talk about her problems. She doesn't talk about what she's going through. She doesn't talk about her struggle tonight. But she takes and she points this lady to God. I want to say tonight, that's a responsibility that we all have. We're to be pointing people to God. We live in a world that is so self-centered tonight. And I say that about all of us, myself included. If we're not careful, this the society that we live in, we're so self-centered that when things happen in our life, we automatically think about ourselves, don't we? I'm talking to myself as much as anybody. We wonder why we're going through this, why we're facing this. You realize uh, that some of the things that you and I face in life may not have anything at all to do with us. I don't know exactly why this young lady has been taken captive. I, I mean, I know it's because of the sin of Israel. She's just a victim of circumstances in one sense of the word. Uh, uh, but listen, God doesn't give her an explanation. Uh, God doesn't even tell her that what she says is going to be written down in the Scripture. She doesn't have any knowledge of that. Uh, uh, she doesn't know why she's going through what she's going through. But what she does know is that no matter where she's at, no matter who she's with, and no matter what she's facing, the right thing to do is always to look up. Amen? And it's to always to point up and to point people to God and her witness reveals not herself not her sorrow not her struggles but it reveals her maker God 
I wonder tonight, what kind of witness do we have? What do people see when they see men? What do they think about our family? Do they think of us as Christians tonight? Our friends, uh, people that we're, uh, we work with on the job, uh, our neighbors, what do they think about us tonight? What well, They may say, well, uh, you're a good person or you, uh, you go to church, but, but they need to see more than that. They need to see God when they look at us. Let me illustrate it like this. There are people tonight that we know that they go to church. And there are people tonight we know they're full of God and go to church. Which one do you want to be tonight? Hey, there are preachers that get up and let's be honest, they can preach. I'm not saying they're not called. I'm not saying God don't have his hand on them. Uh, there's preachers that can get up and they can preach. Then there's men that when we get in their presence, we know they're holy men of God. We know they walk with God. What's the difference? Is that man, is that other preacher not saved? Well, of course they say. Does that other preacher not love God? Well, of course he loves God. What's the difference? I'm going to tell you what makes a difference in all of us. It's the Spirit of God. Amen? And there has to be a hunger. There has to be a thirst. There has to be a desire. Hey, you know what this meeting's about this week? It's about God cultivating, God creating that hunger, creating that desire. I don't think you've come to church, and I know your pastor well enough to know he don't want to just come and have a meeting and go home it's not about just putting something on the books and being here I'm telling you we need God amen and when they got to sing them those songs tonight I felt him come in this place amen I felt the presence of God I believe he's here tonight I believe he's speaking to us tonight I believe he wants our attention and I believe more so he wants to do something in our life and our desire ought to be that we be filled with the spirit of God that we be a witness that reveals God before people you know there's some people I think about preachers and Christians of the past I guarantee everybody in this room could do the same thing there are people that comes to my mind tonight that when they walk in a room they're not God I'm not putting them on a pedestal please don't think that but I'm telling you when they walk in the room I feel the Holy Ghost some of them's not even preachers some of them just godly Christians that when they walk in, somebody walks in with them. Amen. You know somebody walked in. Hey, they some people walk in, and I mean, listen, I'm not being mystical, and I'm not being, uh, uh, listen, I, I'm not talking about sensationalism when I say this. Uh, but I've been, there's been a few people walked in a few times. Uh, I'm talking about holy men of God, uh, and I can feel the hair on the back of my head, uh, uh, neck stand up. Amen. I knew the presence of God was with them. I don't know if they'd just been in a place of prayer. Uh, I don't know what it was, uh, but they got a hold of God, and God was hanging around them. Uh, it they was a reality. Hey, that's the kind of witness we need to have, especially in this day and hour. It's not just giving out truth. She revealed God in her life. Amen. Do you realize the reason that this mistress was willing to listen to what she said wasn't just because of what she said. It was because of the way she lived. What she said, it had weight to it. She revealed the maker God. And then she revealed the mercy of God. In a time when it would have really been better for 
this young lady, if she would have been full of bitterness and preacher, if she would have been backslid over the situation, uh, she no doubt could have probably got some kind, of, some kind of joy out of watching the man who brought, was responsible for bringing her into bondage. I'm sure if she'd have been backslidden bitter, she could have got some joy out of watching him suffer with leprosy. In a time when she could have just held her peace and not witnessed, not gave the message, she could have spent the many days watching Naaman suffer for all the suffering that he had brought into her life. But instead, she shows him mercy. I would ask this young lady, why would you show such a man mercy as this? There would be only one answer tonight because she herself had experienced mercy. You realize tonight when you experience mercy, you want to you want to give that mercy to others. You want to show mercy to others. And this dear young lady tonight, she knew the mercy of God. You say, but preacher, she's in bondage. Yeah, but she could be dead. Amen. She is in bondage, but she is in a good place. She is being well taken care of. I think this young lady was spiritually minded enough to look around and say, you know what? I'm not in Israel. I don't have my parents here, but God is still taking care of me I think she thought God was with uh, she knew the story of Joseph and no doubt she probably thought as the Lord was with Joseph uh, if God took care of Joseph when he went into bondage uh, uh, the same God that took care of him is the same God that'll take care of me uh, and if Joseph could show mercy on his brothers uh, and if Joseph could show mercy on those that had done him wrong uh, uh, then I can show mercy uh, hey, she had a good testimony a good example before her and Joseph is a picture of Christ uh, and my friend he showed mercy on us uh, and we're to show mercy on others you know the greatest sinner if I could use that phrase that you may ever win to God may be the greatest how could I say this troublemaker in your life I pastored a lady 15 years and she caused me trouble for 15 years. And even my wife said to me one time, she said, and she's sitting here to testify, she said, I don't know why you put up with that. You wouldn't put up with it with nobody else. And I told her, I said, you know, I agree, but I, I don't know why. I said, I just, but I'll tell you one Sunday morning, a preacher was preaching in our church. 15 years, I mean, she she ran people off. If they was trouble within a mile, she could sniff it out. She was one of those people come to the front, you know, and repent. Six months later, she'd be right back at it. Professional repenters is what I call them. I mean, we don't no more believe it, you know, brother. When they come, uh, we, I mean, we, as pastors, we try to do the right thing. We hope this time they really mean it. But, you know, time always tells. Isn't that right? Truth reveals people. Trials reveal people. And I tell you, time reveals people. Amen. We'll find out if you mean it. We'll just watch long enough. Uh, I mean, she'd be right back at it, you know. Uh, but one Sunday morning, the man of God was preaching in our church, uh, and she come out of that pew, and she hit the altar, and she got right with God. And I'm going to tell you, that's been 10 years ago, and she went from being the worst church member to being one of the best church members that we got. Uh, you say, what was the difference? Salvation, amen. Uh, I'll tell you, there's a lot of times I felt like running her off. Uh, there's a lot of times uh, if she'd have said she was leaving, I probably would have shouted, amen. Uh, 
And you know that's right. You see some people like that as well. Uh, but it's the mercy of God. Uh, and if God would show mercy on somebody as sorry and low down as me tonight, I ought to show mercy on others. Amen. I say that lady's been a blessing to our church. Uh, and I thank God for her tonight uh, because what she needed was salvation. And if we'd have run her off, she'd have went to hell. Amen. I'm telling you tonight, uh, uh, God puts people in your life just like he put people in this lady's life. Or put it, say, uh, should I say it this way? Uh, sometimes God puts us in people's life uh, uh, like he did this young lady so that we can show mercy to them. I want to say tonight, her witness revealed the maker God, revealed the mercy of God, and then notice this, it revealed the man of God. She said in this statement, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria. She said in plain old Mississippi language to that minister, she said, You know what? If we was back in Israel, my preacher was here, your husband wouldn't be in the shakings here. Isn't that right? I mean, he's liberal. Uh, 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 preachers down here in Syria can't do nothing, amen. Uh, uh, you know, they don't got the right book, amen. Uh, they don't got the right God. Uh, uh, they can't do anything for him. But I'll tell you one thing, we was back home uh, uh, with my old-time leather lung preacher, amen. Uh, uh, listen, he'd do something about this. Your husband wouldn't have a death sentence on him, amen. I'm whatever. You say, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying, here's a young 12-year-old girl, and she's far away from home, uh, and she's far away from her parents, but you know what? Her mind is still on her man of God, uh, she hadn't forgot her preacher uh, uh, just because circumstances had changed uh, in her life. She still remembers the man of God. Amen. Not saying it because I'm here tonight. You ought to thank God for your preacher. You ought to stand up for him. Stand up for his wife. I think a preacher's wife gets more abuse than the preacher does. Because, listen, when somebody gets mad at him, they don't have the guts to go to him. So they'll make little snide remarks to his wife. Or they'll say something to somebody else. You know what? It don't matter what you say. Do you realize the preacher and his wife always finds out about that? Did you? That's true, ain't it? I told one young man, I said, if you go to Africa and whisper something in the jungle before you get home, I'll know about it. He said, well, I just told one person. Don't you know gossipers always gossip? And God always lets us find out. I think we could have revival in our churches, not just if people got right with God, but if they got right with the preacher. You can't, you can't offend the man of God or his wife and then sweep it under the rug like it never happened. You know, some people do that and just go on, kind of like, well, they forgot about it, I'm going to forget about it. They just kind of start buttering you up, you know, a little bit, just like nothing there. No, you can't do that. You'll never be right with God till you go back and say, I'm sorry. And this 12-year-old girl had enough spirituality to say, you know what, I'm not in the best condition. I'm not back home. I don't have the opportunity to worship like I used to. Best thing I can do is remember my God and remember my preacher. Remember what my preacher said. That might have been what kept that young girl doing right. Remember what my preacher said. Remember what God said in his word. Remember what that man of God told me. I'm telling you tonight, where would we be without men of God? You see, this young lady did not realize that there was coming a time in her life 
when her preacher wasn't going to be around, her parents wasn't going to be around, but God was still going to be there, and she is going to have to remember what the man of God said. When the man of God gets up and preaches, uh, uh, listen, you give ear to what's being said. Don't get used to his mannerism. Don't get so used to his delivery and his cliches and his personality that you don't hear the voice of God. Amen? Uh, God puts a preacher in our life for a reason, and I don't care if he's been in our life for 35, 40 years. Uh, he's still the voice. He's still the mailman. He's still the one. I'm going to tell you, you can leave and go join the biggest church in this county. I don't care if it's independent, fundamental, premillennial, King James. Uh, if it's not the place God puts you, you're going to be out of place, amen, and you're not going to hear from God. A lady said to me one time, she said, Brother Gravely, you think the only place anybody can go to church in this town and be right with God is Bible Baptist Church. I said, for you and your husband, yes. I said, God saved you here. He saved your brother here, and he saved your other brother here. And he saved, he saved your daughter here. Your husband got right with God here. I said, you'd be a fool to leave this place. See, that wasn't because of me. It wasn't because I was the pastor. It was because that's where God put me. I believe when God puts you someplace, you need to stay there. I don't care. Listen, you know, you know somebody, you know, get mad and go down here and start a church down the road, you know, and, uh, you know, they call it uh, North Spoon Baptist Church number two, you know. I mean, I preached in some count. I preached in some churches like that, you know. I won't call their names, amen. But I mean, they'd have number one and they'd have number two. I'm not the smartest person, but I can figure out what happened right there, can't you? Uh, uh, somebody got mad and went down. Uh, you said, well, what if that crowd was right? They wasn't right. I'll tell you why. Because they didn't have enough spirituality to get another name. They, they had an axe to grind, so they took the same name uh, and put a number on it. Isn't that right? I mean, God ain't a million miles or something like that. Uh, I don't care if it was, listen, I wouldn't care if it was my brother or my double first cousin on my father's side. I wouldn't go join that outfit. I don't care if it was one of my own children went and done it. I'd say we'll have Thanksgiving together. We'll have Christmas together. But if we're going to have church together, you're going to have to come back where we all started. Amen. I'm just stay with a man of God. Stay with the church because uh, he's coming some times in your life. Uh, you're going to need to remember what he's saying. She revealed in this witness the man of God. And then she revealed the miracle of God. She said, for he would recover him of his leprosy. What faith? She didn't say, now I'll tell you one thing. If we was in Samaria and we could get down there to Elisha, there's a possibility. He might, you know, I don't know what Elisha would do, but there's a possibility. He might, you know, it, it's worth a try. No, it's not what she said. She said it right there. She said, I'll tell you, if we, was in, if, if we had the prophet that's in Samaria, I'll tell you what would happen. Uh, he would recover of his leprosy. You say, why could she say that? I'm going to tell you why. This young lady in 12 years, uh, I don't know what all she had seen, but she had seen enough. Uh, she had heard enough of the real thing. Uh, she had seen the power of God. Uh, she knew what God could do, and she knew what God's man could do, what God could do through that man. She knew what was real, what wasn't real. 
all. She knew what had power who or who had power and who didn't have power. And she had enough faith. So I'll tell you one thing. If he can just get to my preacher, she had enough faith to say there is a God in heaven that can reach down when a man looks hopeless and when he looks helpless and when it looks like there's nothing else that can be done. There is a God that can do the impossible. I'm telling you, nobody is too far gone that God can't reach them and help them tonight. Hallelujah. You say, I, I want somebody to be saved. Uh, the harder I pray, the worse they get. That's just God bringing them down to the bottom, friend. Uh, and so he can take them to the top. Amen. Uh, uh, things have to get real bad uh, before they can get real good. Uh, and that's God answering your prayers. Amen. It's true tonight. I've seen it. I'm sure you've seen it. Pray for somebody, and the more you pray for them, the meaner they get. That's just God getting a hold of them. I'm telling you tonight, God knows how to shake a man uh, to the very foundation of his soul. Uh, and this dear uh, young lady had a witness that said, uh, leprosy is hopeless. Uh, leprosy is a death sentence. Uh, uh, but he's not too far gone. Uh, uh, that my God's not able. I want to say, don't give up praying for your family. Don't give up praying for those sinners. Uh, I'm telling you, keep going to their house. Uh, you keep witnessing to them. Uh, but make sure you're full of God. Uh, what you need to do tonight is believe uh, that God will save them. I believe that tonight. I think we get defeated before we even start praying sometimes. The great Hudson Taylor he walked in his daddy's office one day when he was 17 years old and he turned over a basket of tracts and one of those tracts that fell out said the sufficiency of Christ. Taylor picked that up and he read it. When he got through reading that tract, he was so moved and so convicted that he said within himself, well, if what Jesus did at Calvary is sufficient, then there's nothing else left for me to do but accept it. Hudson Taylor got on his knees in his father's office at 17 years old and accepted Christ as his Savior. What Taylor didn't know was that his mother at that very moment was on her knees, so burdened for his soul to be saved, that on her knees she said, God, I will not get up until Hudson is saved. And I want to tell you tonight, that's the kind of faith that we need if we want to see our family and friends saved, we need to be determined that God is not only able, but God is more than able to save them tonight if we'll just trust and pray. I want to say tonight, not only did she reveal the miracle of God, but finally notice this. She revealed the mission of God. The Bible says in verse number 4, that one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said that the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to go. That means hurry up and get with it. And I'll send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel. You realize tonight, she told her mistress, she witnessed and told her what God could do. But she fulfilled the mission of God. 
The mission of God tonight is to tell wherever you go, to tell whoever you meet what the Lord can do for you. And this little mistress, this or this little maid, 12 years old, she witnesses. But what she says doesn't stay there. I want to say tonight, you never know when you witness to somebody how it's going, where it's going to go, who it's going to be. You may pass a track out to somebody. They may crumble that track up and throw it down. Somebody else may pick it up. I heard just this past week, my wife and I, in fact, we was in Mississippi latter end of last year. And I think it was there in that meeting I heard we heard this testimony where somebody had tore a track up and they had threw it in the trash can and a piece of it had fallen off on the ground and the part that had fallen off on the ground it said bread of life and a worker in that store picked that up and they saw that bread of life and they went to another person and said to that person and said what does that mean what what do you think that means bread of life and that individual said well said I don't know but said that sounds like something religious and they named another person that worked in that store said he's always passing stuff out said that sounds like something he would be passing or he'd be talking they said to that individual they said if you want to know go ask him they went and asked him and guess what he led that person to Christ from a track that somebody else tore up, not the whole track, just a piece of it. I'm telling you, they got the right piece, didn't they? Amen. Bread of life. Amen. You say, what do you say? It's the mission of God. You don't ever know when you're witnessing to somebody how it's going to affect another person's life and what it's going to do. But we got to be full of God when we witness. Paul, in his witness, he asked the church to pray that God would give him boldness. And I think tonight we ought to pray for him. We ought to pray that the Holy Spirit would fill us tonight. What this little story about this maid proves is that a spirit-filled witness is not hindered by circumstances. See, tonight I can't blame the hardships of life on my lack of faith. I can't say tonight, well, I can't witness because of I'm going through this no, the reason we may be going through some things is to witness to people. It proves that all sinners need to be helped. She helped this man that had brought her into bondage. And it proves that if we witness for God, it always honors the sovereign. Look at verse number 15, and I'm through tonight. Naaman has been healed. He returns to the man of God. Comes out of that Jordan River. He returns to the man of God. He and all his company came and stood before him. They're standing before Elisha. And he says this, Behold now, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. I'm going to tell you, Naaman would have never known about this God had it not been for a 12-year-old girl. Elisha gets the, the credit oftentimes what takes place he was a man of God that God used before God used the prophet used the maid I'll tell you there's a great man but I'm more interested in that little maid see what this text proves tonight is little is much 
and God's in it. Amen. You might say, well, I'm not much tonight. No, but you could be a witness. As they come, get us a song ready as we stand. I want to ask you this question, and you don't have to come to the altar just because I'm giving an invitation. I want you to be mindful of the Holy Spirit. I want you to do what he asks you to do tonight, if, if he asks you to do 